0: You are listening to All The Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I am your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 422.5. Welcome back to all of you. Uh, In the Northern Hemisphere, we are smack in the middle of summer, and it is miserable in a lot of places. And because it is so miserable, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about books, old books, even older than usual books, at least even older than usual for me. I read a fair amount of backlist, but I would say even the backlist books that I read usually have been published within the last decade or so. Honestly, probably even more often in the last five years. But lately, I have been reading books that had me reaching back a couple of decades or more. Mostly the older books I've been reading have been romance or romance contemporary fiction, romantic contemporary fiction, that kind of thing. Um, And we'll talk about the whys of that in a little bit. But no matter what kind of books you generally read, I think there's something really interesting about the way popular fiction and genre fiction evolve over time. It's something you can trace if you read books published at different times. And I have found that some of what is and is not different can add some dimension to the way that I think about books as a reader. And we will get into that just a bit more in just a minute. I'm back. But before we get all the way into it today, just one more reminder to check out our first edition podcast, where bookread.com co-founder Jeff O'Neill explores the wide bookish world. I know we've talked about it before on this podcast, so I won't say any more than that. But I will point you towards your podcast playing mechanism of choice and advise you to search out first edition. It will give you something to listen to when we're done here in 10 minutes or so. So now you've got a plan. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. I mentioned before the break that I've been reading some older romance. And one of the main reasons for that is is a sad one. It's that one of the greats of the romance genre, Julie Garwood, died last month. She died in early June. And whether or not you are typically a romance reader, there's a good chance that you've seen Garwood's name and her books in bookstores, in even grocery stores and libraries, on the shelves of someone that you know and love, Garwood has been huge. She became a best-selling author in the 1980s and is considered one of the most influential genre writers of the last few decades. But honestly, I hadn't ever read anything by Garwood. I came to romance as an adult, not as a child or a teenager, as a lot of romance readers do. And while Garwood was still publishing up until her death, her influence has waned a bit over the course of the last 10 or 15 years since I've been reading romance. That said, there was a massive outpouring of love for her and her books that popped up when she died. And so many of the writers and viewers of all different kinds um, and all different genres and all different perspectives who I love and respect talked about the influence that Garwood and her books had on them. So I decided maybe it was time to read The Bride, which is, I couldn't say for sure, but probably Garwood's best known and most recommended work. A couple of things, though, about The Bride. First, not only is it set in the early 12th century. That's right. This is a medieval times kind of situation. Castles, swords, tapestries, all of that stuff. But it was originally published in 1989, which is probably before many of the people listening to this were born. It's the year Taylor Swift was born. In fact, I was alive, but I was definitely more focused on things like dinosaur cookies and Rainbow Bright than on reading romance novels or, frankly, reading anything at all. Sort of more broadly, it is worth noting that the 80s are also considered, I would say, like, let's just say a not very progressive time period in romance. Authors like Garwood show that that reputation isn't entirely fair. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But as many people as think of romance even now as just scantily clad people clutching each other on boats or whatever, that was even more the impression 30 plus years ago. For example, too, the, the sex and romance didn't have nearly the emphasis on consent that it often does now in traditionally published romance, at least. Uh, again, there are some exceptions to that, but it's much more of a focus now than it, it was 30 however many years ago. Uh, it, just in a lot of ways, both in terms of reality and perception, the genre was different. But I have to say, reading The Bride showed me that it wasn't necessarily as different as I might have assumed. The story, which as I mentioned, takes place in the early 1100s, is about Alec, a widower and Scottish lord who agrees to marry an Englishwoman at the request, frankly, the demand of his king. Uh, The English king is on board, too, and so Jamie, who's a young woman from a noble English family who's arranged to be married to him, meets up with him in England, they tie the knot, head back to the Highlands. It's a little more complicated than that, but those are the basics. Jamie is Also not thrilled by this arrangement, neither of them are real excited, but she is especially hesitant, uh, particularly when it becomes clear that, at least initially, he basically sees her as property and expects her to do whatever he wants. In fairness to Alec, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it is a thousand years ago and gender roles were a little bit different it has very little to do with him being a bad guy cuz he's actually a pretty good guy. Um she has many lovely qualities as well, many skills. She's a very talented healer, which becomes a huge situation for him and his his colleagues and loved ones. You know, and the, just the way that they build a relationship of mutual respect and eventually love even within the confines of what their expected roles were in again, medieval times. I just found to be really charming. And a lot of aspects of the book, frankly, most aspects of the book felt like they could have been written and published today. Again, there are some exceptions. You certainly will find those. But a lot of those exceptions would apply to any book that was set in 1103. The book is also really funny and clever. And there's a murder mystery built in because people think Alec's first wife died by suicide, but she was actually murdered. And the same person is planning to murder Jamie. It's a whole thing. Anyway, I was honestly a little surprised by how much I liked it, and I will confess that I immediately one-clicked and then read The Wedding, which is kind of the second book in this duology. It's set in the same world. Um, Alec and Jamie are supporting characters in this one. It's actually about a brother of Alex who gets revenge on someone, decides to get revenge on someone by stealing that guy's fiancé and marrying her. And I realize that sort of sounds like kidnapping, and frankly, it sort of is, but... The woman actually proposed first, even prior to the kidnapping, and is pretty much on board with the marriage. So you'll get it when you read it. I would recommend, you know, considering that particular duology by Julie Garwood, at least something to think about. I've read a few other older romance or romance-adjacent books lately, and again, I'm struck by how many of them don't exactly feel their age. I think that's especially true of historicals. About a year ago on this podcast, I talked about Indigo by Beverly Jenkins, and since I talked at length about it before, I won't go too much back into it, but I do want to note again, since we're on this topic, that that book, which was published in 1998, and is about a woman who is a member of Michigan's Underground Railroad in, I think, the late 1850s. It's also, it's just so rich in history that I genuinely believe that they should teach it in schools, obviously- they won't right now, especially given the horrific way that people are trying to cut off access to books in schools and libraries. But someday Indigo by Beverly Jenkins will be on school curricula. I'm going to see to it. I will also note, like I said, historical romance is a little bit different. I'll give you a couple of examples of contemporary books as well. First, for our most recent book club book, my One in Romance co-host Jess and I read Rules of Engagement by Stacey Abrams, who was writing as Selena Montgomery, It's a romantic suspense book that Abrams, who we now know as a voting rights advocate and basically superhero, originally published way back in 2001. But it was republished last year by Berkeley, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. And Rules of Engagement is another book that I found held up surprisingly well. And I think it's fair to say that Jess agreed with me. It's a story in which these two secret agents who have a history by which I mean a bad history where they're like real, real mad at each other. They're pushed back together and they have to infiltrate this organization of bad guys while they are working undercover as lovers, which is a classic romance trope, in order to save the world and to seek vengeance for their colleagues and friends who were killed in the field. Or were they killed in the field? You'll find out. It's very fun. I recommend it. Uh, Since this one is contemporary, you do notice... Just in terms of, like, the logistics and practicalities, I think you notice the age a little bit more when it comes to stuff like technology, but it certainly does not feel completely out of time because of the lack of things like Facebook or TikTok. Just one more for fun before I let you go. It's hot. It's summer. Everybody deserves a little fun. And that book is Welcome to Temptation by Jennifer Kruse. Kruse is another name that you might know because she was probably at her most prominent in what we might call the... 1990s, 2000s chick lit era. I don't love that term, but it is most commonly used. And I want you to know what I'm talking about. So there we are. This is the era of books, like things like Bridget Jones's Diary, Devil Wears Prada. Sophie Kinsella was really big during that time. You might put some of Terry McMillan's books in that sort of subgenre. Anyway, it was a weird time for the way the books were being marketed. But Kruse wrote some really comedic, fun, romantic stories during that time period. And Welcome to Temptation, which was published in 2000, was one of them. Very, very briefly, basically, two sisters travel to a small town in Ohio called Temptation, hence the name, because they have a sort of contract to film a short video. One of the sisters falls for the mayor. The video that they are making accidentally kind of turns out to be porn, which is very awkward for the mayor of the small town who had promised that town that the video that the sisters were making wouldn't be porn, plus someone's trying to sabotage them. There is a lot going on. The supporting characters are an absolute delight. And I just feel like it's a fun little comedy that once again, holds up pretty well. Uh, Again, there are places where you'll notice the age, but largely it works. The lack of cell phones maybe in particular is notable. But it's kind of also a little quaint, partly in that You don't see any scenes where everyone is watching the accidental pornographic video on their cell phones. It was just a different time in 2000. All of that, all of that to say the moral of today's story is to jump in to some older popular fiction in whatever genre you read, especially if it's romance, you've got the titles right there. It's fun. You can jump in to some of these books by clicking the links to any of the books I mentioned right there in your show notes. Uh, wrapping up today, we will thank, as always, our sponsor. A huge thanks as well to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, And thanks to all of you, of course, for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, you can check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot in that podcast player of choice we talked about before. You can find, as I mentioned, the books I mentioned in our show today in the show notes, either here in the podcatcher or at com slash all the books. Remember, if you are a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show a little love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate the review and it helps other book lovers find us. If you want to find me, I am mostly on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. For now, good luck with the rest of your summer if you are in the summer seasons until we talk again please do take good care of yourself and happy reading